So we are in part two of a series that we started last Sunday morning called Kingdom Stewards. And we have gotten a lot of feedback based off of our first message in this series last week. And people really seem to enjoy it, um, talking about stewarding not just our finances, but our relationships, our families, our time, our spiritual gifts. And we're going to dig into this, and it's not going to end. We still have a few more weeks left to go in this series, but we're excited because today we have a very special guest speaker who's going to be delivering the majority of this message, and um, I believe it's his preaching debut this morning. We'll see. But we're, we're really excited, and I'll introduce him in just a minute. But we just want to kind of recap last Sunday morning what we talked about. If you weren't here, this message is available on our podcast. So if you want to listen to it and you missed last Sunday, get on our LifeWays Church Weekly Sermons podcast, and you can listen to it on there. If you don't know how to do that, come and talk to me. I'll help you figure that out. But last week, I began the message, and I kind of just shared from my heart where God had been challenging me and speaking into my life and kind of working some things through in my mind and in my spirit when it comes to stewarding what he's given. The resources, the gifts that he has given to our family and how we are to manage what God has entrusted to us Am I supposed to just hold on to it and build my own kingdom and my own empire or am I to steward and give away that which he's given to me? Generosity versus stinginess and holding on with tight fists. And I began by asking three questions and I wanna ask these questions again and I want you to really think about how your, your heart truly answers these questions, not just from your mind, but from your heart. These are these three questions. The first was, do we love God because of what he gives us, or do we love him regardless? Do we trust God because of what we have or because of what he's promised? I heard a pastor say this week, we can become so content with what God has said that we miss what he's saying. God has made us a promise, many promises in his word. But sometimes we hold on so tightly to th things that have happened in our past and the way things have always been and what we have been given, that we miss what God wants to give us and what he wants to say to us. And he's doing a new thing, and he wants to speak a new word into you and challenge your spirit. Do we love him because of what we, he's given us, or do we love him regardless? Do we trust him because of what we have, or do we trust him because of what he's promised? Are we owners of our gifts, or are we stewards of his grace? So kind of our theme verse for this series comes from 1 Peter. And this is out of the Passion Translation. It's on the screens. And this is what it says. Every believer has received grace gifts to use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, 
If you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you so that in everything God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. The Greek there in in verse 11 can also be translated, the one who provides finances should do it with the strength of God who supplies all things. God is our supplier. He supplies all things, and we get the privilege of being stewards of all that he's given us. What is a steward? What do I mean when I say steward? Definition of a steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another. So what we have is not ours. The word of God actually says in Psalm 89, the heavens and everything on earth belong to you, for you are the creator of all that is seen or unseen. And I tell you what, this is, this is where I'm at, okay? This is where we are. If we live our lives with the mentality that nothing we have belongs to us, but everything that we have belongs to God, that changes everything. Listen to that one more time. If we believe, if I begin to believe that every single thing I have, that I possess, whether physically, spiritually, belongs to him and not me, what do we have to lose? Nothing, because it wasn't ours in the first place. What do we have to gain? Everything. So I wanna introduce our guest speaker this morning, and we are actually within this stewardship series. This is part one of a two-part message on stewardship of our finances and our possessions and we're calling our message today Heavenly Treasures. So I'm introducing a gentleman who has become, we call him Uncle Rick, because we love him so much, him and Susan and Josh, their family, and their vision for our cities, for our businesses to thrive is unreal. And they are spirit-led, they have incredible insight when it comes to this, which is why we ask them to share. And so you're going to be blessed today. I cannot wait to hear what he has to say. Um, so welcome with me, Mr. Rick Arredondo. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. What an awesome morning. Did you just feel that? Did, did you just feel that? That's a hundred nuns that are rolling in their grave right now because they didn't think I'd be ever standing in front of a church because of my uh, interesting past of, yeah, um, slow to obedience is how I'll call it. But I appreciate you being here. Uh, what a pleasure to be here and actually witness uh, nine baptisms. Uh, the ninth one was really special. That was, that was amazing, amazing. I think Leslie gave me a great uh, start, which was as they are being baptized, 
a comment of walking alongside. And that is truly the definition of being a steward. And I take stewardship very seriously, but even when Travis and Leslie challenged me to do this, it became, well, there's a lot of layers to being a steward, okay? It, it, it could be you as a father, a mother, grandparent. It could be a civic leader. There's so many different things that it can involve. And one of the things I just want to explain is that one verse came out to me very strongly, and it was Luke 12, 48. To whom much is given, much will be required. And so that stuck with me through the whole time I was preparing for this message. And I feel very blessed just to be here in front of you folks, but I'm learning. I, I call myself more of a coach than anything. And a coach, as you know, you're constantly learning your craft. So I really take this very seriously. And I think I probably, well, I know I'll get more out of this than you will, but I want to share you know, some of the things that I've, uh, I've learned. So one of the things I started to think about was, and I, I love the Bible, I spend as much as an hour every morning, and it's my learning time, but also being with God. Um, but there are four um, really key biblical figures that I kind of want to talk a little bit about. Uh, Jacob, Joseph, King David, and Solomon. Because each were very wealthy, and each had great responsibilities, but each were stewards. Um, but the thing is, in, in the world today, the idea of wealth and stewardship is evolving. And it's not all bad, and it's not all good. But I want to give you some context to that. So... We have, in contrast to what I was used to, what I grew up with, was the silent generation. So the silent generation are those people that were born before 1945. My parents were born in 1910 and 1913. So my impressions of the silent generation was they were very quiet. And there was a clear reason why they were, is they had survived the Great Depression. So they knew what it was like not to have a lot. Uh, my mother was actually sold by her mother to work because there was too many mouths to feed. My dad had a sixth grade education, but by the time he passed, he could do any New York Times crossword puzzle backwards and forwards in 30 minutes. So I got to understand how they think. And then there's the millennials, which I believe are an interesting group. And I, I actually love the millennials because they're thinking about value very differently than my parents or myself, who's a baby boomer. So what I mean by the millennials is, and I'll just give you one example that was very, very revealing to me. One was, I don't have cable. Okay, you don't have cable. So how do you connect? He goes, well, we just don't believe in paying for something that I can find a cheaper way of getting information. And then they go out and buy a $250 pair of boots because they're cool. So what I find interesting is they are able to differentiate value. 
So something that they think is just a waste of money, they are very consciously making decisions for themselves. In fact, there was a time when they were the least likely to buy a home. Because what we were seeing from 2008 to fairly recently was how many homes were going into foreclosure. So what's the real benefit of home ownership if I'm going to have to go into debt and give that home up? So that was clearly the background. So, so I need to give you some more context. I'm an ex-banker. I spent 43 years in the industry, and it was a great ride. But I also realized that, to me, a banker is not a banker. It's a trusted advisor, which I'm sure my friend Taylor can appreciate, is that we just don't take people's money. For, I'm going to give you a little quick banking lesson. What funds your loans is your deposits. You get that? So if you put money in your checking account, your savings account, your CD, those funds are turned around and turned into a loan to make somebody's mortgage, okay? So if I'm the banker and I'm entrusted with your money, this is your paycheck, this is your life savings, I better know that I can trust this individual to pay it back, right? That's how it works. But things started to change. People felt they could just back out of their loans and they could do some things just like, well, I'm not committed to that anymore. That was then, this is now. But that's part of the struggle of just being a good steward. And one of the things that I feel we're being called again to do is not just be good stewards, but great stewards. To Travis's point, stewards do not own. They may possess, they may hold it, but it's actually in your trust. So if you think about it, you came into this world pretty much with nothing that I remember, and that's how you're going to go out, right? So you are literally only stewards of your possessions. And it says, you know, don't store your, your treasures in, in, on earth, right? Because what's going to happen? They're going to be moth-eaten, they're going to rot. No truer saying. But is money the root of all evil? No. Money isn't the root of all evil, it's the love of money. Right? And we've all loved money at one point in time. I know in my, early in my career, all I wanted to do was make money. I need to run faster. I need to do more to get more. It was a really sick culture because it's almost like somebody had a gun to your head on a treadmill saying you need to run faster. And I wouldn't recommend that for anybody. But there are many examples where the Bible where many were blessed with wealth and they were... Uh, they received greatly rewards because of how they stewarded that responsibility. So let me talk about the secular world a little bit because you have to. 70% of the lottery winners go broke. 78% of NFL players are either bankrupt or in financial distress less than three years after retiring. 60% of the NBA players go
go bankrupt within five years after leaving the game. So clearly, it's not money, it's being a good steward of what you have, right? I mean, you have that much money, it's hard to even conceive that that money could go out the door. But there's one NFL player said it best. He said, guys go broke because they surround themselves with people who help them go broke. Right? So it's really about the company you keep, right? And if you've got the right company, they are telling you not to fall in love with these things, possessions and such. Do you really need to make that purchase? Is this the right thing to do? But let's talk about wealth and how one defines wealth. I think Travis said it best. Wealth includes me. I was born. So there was a purpose in my life to be born. Do I value myself? I'm not saying love yourself, but what I'm saying is do you value yourself? And then your gift. Okay? This church is going through a phenomenal transition. We've only been here since August, and you could barely recognize it because, and I have to thank a lot of people for that, first of all, Pastor Larry, uh, Larry and Pastor Ruthie, because you trusted people that we needed to make some of these changes, and we're actually talking about using your gift. We have become a consumer church. I come here to receive, and when I leave, I want mine. And now we're saying, no, how much more do you need to know? Because you're going to go out there and you're going to use it. Does that sound like being a good steward, right? You're using what God gave you, and people are entrusting you to do it with the right way. So just what's happening with the, with the Fredericksons on Wednesday night, Ayana and Eric, is that they're kind of taking the veil off, the scales off our eyes, to see what the Holy Spirit has in mind for us. Because we think well, we're not good enough, or that's not my responsibility. No, we are all stewards. And I'm going to hopefully tie those pieces together. But here's some qualities of what makes a good steward. First of all, they need to be transparent. If people think you have another agenda, what are they going to do? They're not going to believe you. They're going to discount everything you say. You need to seek knowledge. Because... To me, you stop learning, you die. You constantly have to evolve, and there's always new ways of thinking, and most of the time, people are opening your eyes that maybe your thinking isn't quite right. Probably the most important one is you need to seek counsel. There's a difference between seeking knowledge and seeking counsel. Counsel is somebody is walking along beside you and you're having that honest conversation. I'm struggling with this. I don't know. How many people are afraid to admit they don't know? I mean, think about it. So, the other thing is, as the Dolph Shays, who's the player that was quoted, said, you need to surround yourself with the right people. But first and foremost, you need to trust God and you need to be obedient. 
So again, the theme of this message is much will be given, much will be required. So I want to talk a little bit about Jacob. Jacob was kind of sketchy a little bit. I don't know if I would have made him alone back in the day. But through the gifts that God gave him, he was able to grow the, the flocks of his uncle Laban, who I know I would not make alone, because he obviously wasn't trustworthy. He was taking sheeps and goats, you know, it didn't matter the striped or the spotted or the black ones out of the pen, but said to Jacob, he could have them. So when he went out there, he didn't find anything. Literally, Jacob had to do it on his own. But obviously, Jacob was a great steward because he made Laban very rich, right? So he knew the responsibility because he wanted first the wife, right, which he got. But I think it's important to understand that there's many levels of stewardship in the Bible. I wanted to start with him because I think he was an interesting character. I would definitely admit that uh, there's a little hair on, on Jacob. Not on me, but on him. Um, the next one is Joseph and his brothers. Now, Joseph, to me, was a very unique individual, too, because he had every reason not to be a good steward. In fact, you know, think about imprisonment, think about... Uh, a lot of things that happened to him, false accusations. So he was in a position to make Egypt rich and then later was able to save his people as they were dealing with famine and, and all kinds of other things. So he, wasn't, he was a really good steward. But there's a new standard that I want to talk about. And there's a standard of being a good steward when you're a king. If you read Second Kings, I think almost after every one was, this king was worse than. So there's a lot of examples of kings who didn't do a very good job stewarding their people. They lorded over them. Okay? And it's unfortunate because perhaps the greatest steward of all time was David. David is my hero because he had a lot of faults and he had a lot of issues. But I find it interesting that given everything that David had done and what had been given to him, what did David not get an opportunity to do? God said, you're not going to build my temple. Throw the microphone down, throw a tantrum, I'm David, I'm king, I killed all these people, I possessed all these lands, and you're going to tell me I'm not going to build your temple? And that's not what David did. David essentially said, I've been taking all of these resources, gold, you name it, and he just said, I'm going to walk beside my son Solomon, and Solomon is going to build the temple for my Lord. There is not one hint in that whole message of anything that David felt left out. 
pretty honorable for a king given, I think David killed more people than any other king, probably in history. But I find it also, if you look at First Corinthians, excuse me, First Chronicles 28, um, this is uh, verse 8. David summoned all the officials of Israel to Jerusalem, the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the army divisions, the overseers. So as you start to look at your Bible study, you're going to see a lot about stewardship that maybe you didn't recognize before. But David surrounded himself with good people, overseers. He said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple and its courtyards, for I have chosen him as my son, and I will be his father. And if he continues to obey my commands and regulations as he does now, I will make his kingdom last forever. Underline, obey my commands and regulations as he does now. So again, to be a good steward, you have to be obedient. He talks a lot about the ancestral rights of a king. And there's a long lineage of everything that a king would one would expect. But God provided everything to David, who then handed it to Solomon. And ultimately, that, king, that temple was a temple that we're still reading about today. And it was so significant in its time that it united a nation. And if you want to know just more about David, think about his son Solomon and the wisdom that he possessed. He was the most wise king ever recorded. And if you just think about the impact of Proverbs and all the things, there are so many things in Proverbs about being a good steward, it's, it's amazing. So I'm not gonna make your homework easy for you. I'm saying there is great opportunity for you to learn how you can become a good steward by literally some of the greatest and most powerful men being the greatest examples of being a great steward. But who was the ultimate steward? He's a king. Jesus was the ultimate steward. I don't know if David held back anything. Like, did he have a warehouse in his man cave that he could keep some of his best possessions? I don't know. But Jesus gave it all. He gave it with his life. So, what I want you to think about now is you're, you're a steward under the management, advisement of who? Jesus Christ. And it's amazing that you would think that he's been gone for a while. And what did he hand down to us? What, what did he leave us as 
a counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that you saw in these, this family, these families that were baptized, okay, being ignited within you. And Jesus had some basic requirements, right? If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. It's amazing that we have such an example of me dropping the paper. Of the king of kings leaving us with an advocate that if we go through life without trusting the Holy Spirit, which is the journey that we've been on, okay, your spiritual gifts, they're not a mistake, they're real, right? And Jesus is asking us to trust the Holy Spirit. That is, okay, he's commanding us, actually, so there's not a choice, there's really not a choice. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is, is from the Father who sent me. So again, stewardship. From the Father to the Son to you, to us. And there's consequences. Matthew 25, verses 31, 33. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. So there are consequences. But here's the thing. We are royalty. We are royalty because if we're seated at the right hand, we are kings. First Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, the holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, 
you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. What is he telling you? Get off the couch. If you're not, if your hands aren't getting dirty and you're sitting here like at a matinee watching a movie, that's not what you're here for. I have learned the toughest lesson because if, if I can tell you anything, God has taken me by my collar and said, you will do this. Like pick this paper up again. You say the air conditioning doesn't work in this place, but it's blowing pretty good right now. But what I'm saying is also, you need a good steward behind you, which means you need a great church, which you have. You've got great leadership here. But you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. I don't believe there's a single person in here, no matter how old or how afflicted you are, you can't do one thing. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer and praising will bring many, many gifts and blessings to this church. And for us, we just feel like we're at home like no other home. I'm just so uh, honored to be here in this church because I'm learning something every day. And I feel like the mission, mission that we're on about being good stewards, I think, is the absolute right message for right now. Because we're going to see new people come into the church. They are going to need to be stewarded, right? We're going to see younger people coming into the church. They're going to need to be stewarded. We're going to see new business owners come into the community. We're going to need to steward them. We all have a responsibility in that. Okay. So the last thing I want to leave you with is one of the first things I learned in being a good coach is never to go alone, never to feel I had it all figured out. And the more I cling to something, the faster that thing gets taken away from me. So if it's your finances, he gave those to you. If it's your home, he gave them to you. It's your health, he gave it to you. Family, he gave it to you. So I don't want you to think that any of it is yours. It's not. But what he's given you, you are to use to honor him. Can we just pray for a minute? Heavenly Father, All good things come from you. You have blessed us in so many ways, including your son who died on the cross for us, who set the example for all to just be a representation of you and your heart and your generosity. And we want to be good stewards of the finances you provided to us all the gifts because we know when we go to see you in heaven, we will not have those things and it will be, we will be okay. 
we will not need those things. We will not need to take those possessions with us, Lord. And if there's anything that is holding us back, Lord, that you would reveal that to us. And then help us reach out to other people who can steward us through the process. Thank you for your time this morning. Give him a hand clap one more time. That was awesome. Wow. It is so exciting what God is doing at Lifeway, isn't it? Isn't that neat to hear from a brother in Christ? He doesn't have his pastor's credentials. You don't have to, y'all. Y'all are called. All y'all are called. Amen? Like we're from the South or something. (laughs) We're going to continue this series next week. And I pray that I'm going to put Rick out there on the limb a little bit, but that he, because he's been a banker for 43 years, God has given him a special gift of helping people steward their businesses, steward their finances. And he says he's a coach. He truly is. So if you need someone to walk alongside of you and not judge you, because that's not what he does. He's got a genuine Jesus heart, and he wants to see people set free. He wants to see people move forward and get free to the point where it's just like a funnel. God just pours finances through, and you pour it out. Wouldn't that be amazing? So if you need someone to counsel you, him, and I'm going to put my brother-in-law out on the limb too, and he, he actually is a banker at First National Bank. And he is a loan officer, and he said, I don't just give out loans. I counsel people through their budget so that they know if they can afford the house they're going to buy or not. And so he said, I do a lot of counseling in my job. How cool is that? That he owns his position as a calling for Jesus, because what he's doing is helping people be good stewards, right? So if you need advice, if you need wisdom, These are just two that I know are amazing stewards and know how to walk it out with Jesus and walk it out with the truth of the word. Good stuff, eh? Okay, so I want to just point you to for this week, get ready for next week. We met with Rick, and that night I was laying in bed, and I could not sleep. And I was, had scrolled through social media, and I was really bored with it. And it was, usually I fall asleep while I'm doing that. It's not a good thing. Okay, just being real. And I'm like, I'm going to open my Bible app. Not so that I can fall asleep, but I just felt like I should. And I opened it, and it happened to be on Matthew chapter 6. Amazing chapter on stewardship. But I'm going to just read this part to you to close us out and release you this morning. This is a declaration for us as believers that we know what we're doing with our finances, that we know what we're doing with our families, with our jobs, with our lives. Rick did it perfectly. He didn't focus on money. He focused on relationship. He focused on identity. When you know this is good, this vertical relationship, everything else flows out of that. Amen? So this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures 
for, for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will it be, the darkness within you, if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. The next section, I'm not going to read it all to you, but the next section says, don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Did any of you have a bass fish that played that song when you pushed the button? Come on. Come on. Don't worry. Jesus is like, I know what can grab you around the neck and try and choke hold you into the grave. And I'm here today to tell you that he's going to give you the wisdom, the knowledge, and the courage to be good stewards. And you are kings and queens in, that, in this beautiful kingdom. Amen? Isn't it good? So don't worry. Be happy. Because Jesus is all over you. He's in you and he's got you. And he's going to provide and he's going to show you cool things. And maybe you'll be up here preaching in a month. Wouldn't that be awesome? People are looking at me like, not me. Don't you dare. Can you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray to close, and I'm just going to pray a prayer of declaration over you. Woo! I declare wholeness in the body of Christ. I declare unity in the body of Christ. I declare provision in the body of Christ. I declare kingdom thought processes, kingdom mindsets, kingdom stewardship in everyone's life in this room that it would overflow out of this room and cause a revival to happen in this city and in this county and in this state and in this country and in this world. That is the power that you hold in Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father, I bless you today and go and make disciples and we'll baptize them and we're going to do it more and more and more. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. You're awesome. Woo!